inspiring conversations with the most compelling performers, educators, authors, and product manufacturers of our time. This is the show about all that's new and neat with clarinet, with the neatest people in the industry. Welcome to the Clarinet Podcast. Marie Kondo's best-selling book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, has become somewhat of a phenomenon over the past several years. Millions of people all over the world are now using the KonMari method to help organize their day-to-day lives by decluttering and only keeping items that, as she says, spark joy. But what's it like taking this one step further and applying the lessons learned within to one's musical life? Today on the podcast, I chat again with Jen Guzman about how this book has affected both of our careers, how we spend our time, and even why it led me to sell some surprising possessions. I'm your host, Sean Perrin, and you're listening to the Clarinet Podcast at clarinet.com. If you'd like to listen to an extended ad-free version of today's episode and many others, head to clarinet.com slash subscribe. Don't forget to visit the Clarinet store for links to buy official apparel and special offers, products, and services, some of which are available exclusively to our listeners. And of course, I love to hear from listeners all over the world. If you'd like to get in touch with me or be a guest on the program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button at our website. Again, that's clarinet.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and thank you especially to our sponsors for helping make it all possible. Take your clarinet to the next level with a new mouthpiece, barrel, or bell from Bakun Musical Services. With free shipping to the United States and Canada, 14-day easy returns, and expert advice, you can be sure that you're making the best choice for your musical needs. After all, the best time to upgrade your clarinet was yesterday, but the second best time is today. Use code CLARINET at bakunmusical.com and save 10% on your next accessory purchase. That's code CLARINET at bakunmusical.com. Have you wanted to try D'Addario reeds but weren't quite sure which to choose? Here's how to decide. Reserve reeds come in a white and blue box. They feature a traditional blank and are perfect for those who want to focus sound with the quickest response possible. Reserve classic reeds come in a white and purple box. They feature a thicker blank that provides an expanded tonal color palette, clarity of articulation, and added flexibility. And the new Reserve Evolution reeds come in a white and yellow box. They feature our thickest blank and have a heavy spine for added projection and exceptional tonal depth, warmth, and flexibility. You'll have to try it to believe it. Try Reserve Reads now at your local music store or head to clarinet.com slash reads to buy a box right now. So I'm back here today with Jen Guzman. Jen, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me. So last week we talked about your examining the portfolio careers of classical musician entrepreneurs dissertation. Um, so I'd encourage anyone to head back and check that out if you haven't already, especially if that is of interest to you. But today we are going to talk about Marie Kondo's The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, which is not so much just a book now. It seems to be kind of a trend overtaking society right now. There's the Netflix series you can watch and uh, there's the book and the audiobook and all these various things. So basically in a nutshell, if I may... What this is, is sort of a mentality about just cleaning the clutter, not, not just out of your, your sock drawer, but kind of out of your whole life and doing it in one big swoop. And it's something you don't think about on a day-to-day basis anymore. So I just wanted to 
get your sort of feedback because we were talking on the phone about how we both kind of were into this right now about what this is like and sort of what this means to you and, and how this kind of applies to your music career. So for those listening, head to Netflix, check out some of these episodes, maybe before you listen to the rest of the interview or do what I did and to reduce clutter in your life, listen to the audiobook. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, let's, let's sort of just dive in here and talk about what this sort of concept means to us. So how did you first discover this? So I had heard about the book years ago, uh, never read it at the time, but when the Netflix series came out, I gave it a shot and I just love the transformation that happened for people. And as an organizer myself, just naturally, um, not that I'm always organized, but I prefer being organized. (laughs) Um, just, it really reached out to me and, um, like I was talking about last week and how, you know, our skills as musicians, if you're, if you know how to practice and perform and you've learned all this over the years, you can do any other venture, you know, start a business, put a recital series up, whatever, because you have those soft skills that you needed to put the time in to learn your instrument and all that. And I feel kind of like it, it connects to KonMari and her method. Like you said, it's not just about cleaning out your sock drawer, although that's, you know, where you start with your clothes, but just realizing how many ways that you can apply this um, to your career and to your practicing, I think can be really life-changing. And then just the power of creating a space where you feel ready to do work. You know, for me, I know I always went to the practice room when I was a student because I get so distracted at home. I see the laundry and I'm like, maybe I should just put a, I'll just put it in while I'm practicing. You know, it'll be very efficient and very productive. Here I go. And then you go to the laundry to put the laundry in and you end up finding another mess. They start cleaning it up. So, you know, I, I learned about myself. I need to just be in a blank room with a mirror, a stand, and my instrument. And that's where I would get work done. Other people, they loved practicing at home because that's where they were comfortable and they could relax and really get their, their best work done and weren't as easily distracted maybe by the other things in their room. So I think it just points to the need of figuring out what's best for you, just like defining your own version of success. It's different for everybody. Um, creating a space, whether it's your living room, your desk, your practice area, that just sets the tone so that when you show up, you don't have to do other stuff. Like the organization's done everything set and you get to actually do the work that you are planning to do and you can use 20 minutes to be super efficient and, and get work done instead of taking 10 minutes to tidy up your desk and you sharpen your pencil and whatever else you need to do to set the stage you can just set yourself up for success in all these different parts of your life so it's interesting to me because she has this concept of things sparking joy or not and so one of the things she has you do at the beginning and, and I don't know why but I took this like super seriously I think I'd sort of reached a with the new baby in my life and stuff I'd kind of reached a tipping point as far as like not only time management but like stuff and literally making room for a new person in my life you know so it gave me kind of a motivation to to look into this and uh, one of the first things she has you do is go through all your clothes and you you literally hold it and ask yourself, like, does it spark joy? I never really liked that because it's a little too metaphysical for me. But like, <laughs> for me, it's a little more practical. Like, will I actually wear this? Do I like to wear it? Do I look good in it? Like, does it bring me any sensation? Of, do, I, do I feel like I look good when I wear it? <laughs> you know? Um, and I used to have this mindset. I would wear something pretty much until I couldn't wear it anymore. And I sort of just broke free from that. I was like, oh, wait a minute. If my shirt doesn't fit anymore, 
it served its purpose, <laughs> you know, or right. if it's, if it's starting to fade or whatever, like I'm done with that shirt. I don't need to wait till it's threadbare and, <laughs> you know, to throw it out or get rid of it. So I went through absolutely everything and I, I don't have a lot of clothes. I'm not really a clothes type person, but I must've gotten rid of at least half. And just because there was just so much stuff that had kind of been accumulating for a long time. And then another thing that she does is she has you start to, to sort them in such a way that when you do put them away, it's almost impossible for them to become messy because with minimal effort each week, when you put away your laundry, you just file them away in a nice orderly, neat fashion that takes into account your need to, you know, have access to those things and also, um, you know, want to wear them. So everything about her method was so smart to me and I've been applying it to this day and I was joking a while ago, you know, I, I would be happy to have the queen come over and take a look in my sock drawer because it's, (laughs) it's, you know, you inspect anything you want, you're going to find complete organization, you know? Um, and we had sort of perfected this, but then we moved and it's kind of back to square one, but thank God we did this before we moved because I can't believe how much stuff we even moved. But my wife and I started this together. We kind of unloaded the whole house and I said, we'll try and get this done by this weekend. And several months later, we're still con marieing as we say, and (laughs) sort of getting rid of stuff. But, um, so it's the clothes and I think I can't remember the exact order, but she does have you go through basically all your stuff. Um, but the one thing that she doesn't talk about, which is maybe a, a book I should almost write at this point is like how to deal with your music stuff in that fashion, you know? So t- tell me, how have you applied this to not only your, your time as a musician, but also your musical books and uh, instruments, anything else? Well, first of all, with clothes relating to being a, mus- being a musician, we have a lot of concert plaque, right? So when I was going through my pile of clothes saying, does this spark joy? I'd be like, well, no, but it's, you know, a black thing that I can wear to a gig. I should probably keep it. So I had a little trouble with that just because you always want a backup just in case your, you know, black pants are in the laundry that day of your gig. Um, but yeah, it was really an amazing experience just to, you realize how much stuff you have um, and how much you don't need. And the, the filing system is incredible just so that you're seeing everything that you're using. And I have a pretty good idea now just with clothes about what I'm still not using that I should probably also get away because I it hasn't made its way to the front of the drawer yet. I just keep uh, <laughs> using my other shirts, so it's pretty telling. But as far as um, musical equipment goes, we all have so much stuff. And I think there's two different mindsets that I have that I struggle with, with this method and just with looking forward in my career. Like I've always had teachers who are so generous with their equipment and who have a stock ready. Hey, try this ligature. Oh, you know what? That material doesn't work. Let's try this one. And then in lessons, you get to have this experience of, First, as a student, like trying things you never tried before, becoming aware so that you can teach your students about it and, you know, not having to go somewhere else to make that all happen, um, I found was a great luxury that I had as a student. So part of me wants to keep a lot of the equipment I have so that when I am teaching, I can also offer that luxury to my students. But you definitely have to draw a line. And I, I feel like that line for me is with reads. Like you were talking about shirts getting thread you know, going down to the, the bare threads and, you know, you don't have to keep wearing them just because they're like still assembled. Um, you know, if they've got rips or stains or they're just kind of should be a, a dust rag at this point. Um, and I kind of feel like that with reeds where I have so many reeds from honestly, probably when I was still in college, like doing my undergraduate degree in New York. And now I've been in Texas for seven years just because you never know if they're going to season the next year and they're aging the right way, um, so, <laughs> which is probably gross. But uh, I've had to watch myself. My, my inclination when doing this is to just get rid of stuff because it feels so good to be 
um, clutter free and just have, you know, space to breathe. But also, you don't want to get rid of so much stuff that you're like, oh my gosh, I just threw out, you know, hundreds of dollars of stuff that now I should replace or so I'm I'm still kind of finding that balance with my musical equipment. What is what's your experience been? Well, first of all, I'm touching something you said. I don't want to turn this into like a Con Marie counseling <laughs> session, but I think that your your mouthpiece and ligature collection, from the vibe I got, anyways, it sounds like it sparks joy. Ah, so you should there we keep go. you should feel okay. okay to keep those because yes. they're going to bring something to your life. But my recommendation would be to keep them like more organized and to keep them out somewhere so you can appreciate them, you know? And that's one thing I love about this whole Conmarie thing is it's, it's not like your t- typical minimalist, like, oh, you should feel bad and throw everything out that you own. It's focusing on the stuff that you like. And for me, that means it's okay for me to own six guitars and 15 pairs of headphones. I just now have a headphone drawer, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and I know exactly mm. where they all are. I'm never looking for all my different headphones and, and uh, it's okay for me to own those because they spark joy in their own way or whatever we want to call it. Um, but maybe it's not okay to have 15 tubes of lip balm, you know? So it's, it's about finding the things in your life that you don't really care about. And I even took that to spending money. Like I, I looked at the things, there's another book which you might want to check out, uh, your business-minded type person, but it's called I Will Teach You To Be Rich, and it's this guy named uh, Ramit Sethi. Uh, did you read it? I haven't read it. My brother read it. Super. Check out, if you don't want to read the whole book, just check out a couple of his Google Talks or his, uh, um, he's on like the Tim Ferriss podcast, for example. But one of the things he talks about is spend frugally on everything so that you can spend lavishly on that which you love. And so a while ago, I realized my hair is thinning. I just started shaving my own head because I was like, why would I spend any money at all on haircuts <laughs> when I could, you know, if you take, even if it's 20 bucks a haircut, you times that by six or eight a year. After a few years, that's going to be a couple thousand dollars. I'd rather own another guitar, <laughs> like, you know? So if you start taking all those things into account, um, it all really adds up. But anyways, long story short, I think that you could utilize that that sort of interest towards the, the ligatures and the joy that they bring your students and, and really use that going forward. That's the part that I always need to remember. It's not just because my inclination is to just purge, but it's just remembering that it doesn't have to be a huge purge. It just has to be a purge of stuff that you, you know, for instance, we have moved every year except this past year for the last nine years since leaving home and going to college, moving into a different dorm room and then moving across the country. And oh my gosh, how many times have I packed up this stuff? That's what I, that's what I've started to realize. Um, this past season as I've been going through the different categories and uh, recently did like toiletries and just stuff like that. You know, how many times have I moved with all these thermometer covers that I never use? I'm just going to, it's time to let go (laughs) so that when we move next time, it's not like, you know, we're not moving with stuff that we don't care about. Well, and when you clear out all the drawers and get rid of all the, the stuff you don't need, that's when you can find room for like all of a sudden you might be able to have your mouthpiece and ligature cabinet for your students. You know, and that's super cool. And that's something to you can, and you walk in the room, you see it and you'd be happy about that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And we've been trying to put this to practice too with our store because we live, it's a big loft and we live in the back of it. So our store's in the front, our living space is in the back and there's kind of some crossover where our kitchen is like hidden in the store behind a curtain. But we've had to be super smart with our stuff, with our organization, because first of all, just keeping things separate so we don't lose anything or make it become too confusing, but also just wanting to be in our space. We're in, we're in our space so much of the time because we live and work here that just organization is so important because it affects our mood and, or at least my mood and, you know, my productivity. So 
I, I've definitely found it to be kind of a game changer and a priority. Yeah. And so you also kind of work from home then in a way like I do, sort of. I mean, it's different. Mm-hmm. And that's been hard. That's the hardest thing, I think, is trying to delegate your time. So that's what I was thinking about with Comrade too. Like, you know, figuring out. So we're organizing our drawers. We're putting, keeping stuff we want uh, that spark joy, getting rid of stuff that's kind of redundant or overkill. Um, you know, how can we do that with our time as a, as a musician who has a portfolio career, who's doing multiple things? Um, the biggest thing that I've struggled with and as a student, I'm getting better at it, but you know, the, the four years that I was a doctoral student and juggling these jobs and being a student, I just couldn't wrap my head around it for a while. And I kept trying to get 20 minutes done here, 20 minutes on there of this job, that job. Um, but the more that I earmark time for the specific jobs that I need, like when I'm on campus at UNT, I'm getting my UNT stuff done and I'm keeping it as much as I can, you know, in those time frames. And when I'm on certain days, I'm here at the store and I'm really focusing on store stuff. And, you know, it's, it's not as easy to put it in a little neat bow like that because things happen, deadlines happen and people need things or you need things that come up in the moment. Um, but the more that I try to prioritize that, the, the better I feel about juggling the different roles and the less overwhelmed I feel. I don't know. Is that your experience or do you like to yeah, go day know, by day? I don't know. I'm still working it out, honestly, because like I said, we had a kid and we've moved and things are just all really different now. And, and I'm still trying to work out my kind of schedule and how to deal with time and stuff. But um, I guess this is one area and there's a few areas where I think this, although I love this whole Marie Kondo method and her, her book and the way she talked about stuff, I think that there's a couple sort of uh, weak spots. <laughs> and one of those I think is um, the concept of spark joy. I think that she takes it too far. And I think that it also misses the mark sometimes. Like I would be going through some stuff and I'm not sure that my hammer sparks joy, but I need to own a hammer. Right. You know, so, and she never really addressed what to do about that kind of thing. And it's the same thing with your time. Like, okay, if you start doing the things that spark joy, like maybe I'm not coming to work today. <laughs> maybe I'm laying oh, in yeah. bed watching movies, <laughs> you know, but that, yep. that, that's not okay. <laughs> you know? So I think that, um, I'd love for her to kind of do a follow up on, on some of those things that she sort of touches on, but doesn't ever really go into. Um, and I would also love to just know what more, more people think about that. Like, how do you deal with that? element of things, you know, because I don't know, I'm I'm not sure that sweeping the floor will ever spark joy, (laughs) but (laughs) Mm -hmm. it has to be done, you know? And I think maybe if it's connecting it to like the end result of that hammer, you know, if you can build something that then provides a home for your, your child's toys or something and you see them use it every day, that's how I would go for it. Just cause I agree there. And like I said, with the concert black clothes, I was like, I really don't like this shirt, but you know, it, it functions as a great, concert shirt and I don't want to spend another 20, 40 bucks getting another one. So I'm going to let it spark joy in the way that it does. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a good theory. It almost needs some refinement, like further research, you know? <laughs> um, but you'd asked me a while ago, I forgot to answer um, kind of how I do with my music stuff. And that was actually really interesting for me because I, I, in the last episode, we were talking a bit about how I decided to do what I do basically. And, and sort of, I don't want to say give up on the idea of playing in an orchestra, but realized that it wasn't for me. And, um, so going through a lot of that stuff that I had, like I just had dozens of pieces and things that I used to work on and university and like, maybe that would be valuable someday. But sometimes if you always worry about someday, you're going to forget about the present, you know, and then there is no someday. Right. So I think it's more valuable to keep the pieces of music, for example, that you actually want to play. 
Like if you have no interest in some piece, maybe you need it for archival reasons or for students or whatever, sure, keep it. But if you really literally don't like a piece or have no interest in it, why do you own it? Especially if you're never going to play it, right? Um, give it away, let someone else use it. Or, or I had, for example, a lot of these books um, from when I was really young, you know, like 12, 13, and, and they were kind of like, you know, the music of Titanic or whatever. And they sort of sparked an interesting nostalgia, but like, <laughs> does it really need to take up an eight by 11, you know, by half inch space of my office for my entire life? And then do I need to bring it in a box <laughs> to my next location? And exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like just and this, this was big for me too. Like just because you've read a book doesn't mean it needs to live on your bookshelf forever. You know, maybe, maybe someone else needs to read it. Maybe it will serve more purpose by being given away. And uh, like the books you truly love, sure, keep them. But usually you can get it again from the library. How many books honestly do you read twice, let alone three, seven, five hundred times, you know? And uh, I just really went through all my books and, and, and resources and things and was pretty happy when I was at the end that I had some stuff in my studio down at Mount Royal that, that you know, is very education based that I don't need in my office. Like I don't need the Galper method one book in my office. I'm never going to pick that up and be like, hmm, I wonder how to play middle C. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's not something I need anymore, you know? So it's identifying the things that are kind of no longer needed in your, your life, um, in that way. And, and that for me extended to instruments, like those who've listened for a while, they, they realized that I, uh, actually I did an episode on it cause I, I got my new clarinet, which is kind of like my dream instrument. I remember when I was 12, I used to leaf through, I think it was a Selmer catalog. Cause you know, back then there was no, there was no Bakun yet, but now I work for Bakun of course. And I ended up getting the, the new clarinet, like the Coca-Cola wood and the gold keys. And that I've always really kind of wanted. And I would have given away anything I had when I was 12 to have an instrument like this, you know? So there was a day where I, I realized it was broken in, I'd been using it, and I still had my old instrument, which was not a bad instrument by any means. It was a great clarinet, but it just it felt like it was done for me, you know? And I was like, well, do I save it as a as a backup that I'm probably never really going to use and let it just kind of go bad in my closet for 10 years? Or do I do I get the $3,000 and, and move forward? <laughs> and it seemed to be a better decision. And uh, actually, I did an episode of the podcast on this, and um, I described it, I think, as kind of like pulling off a bandaid. Like it was really a lot of trepidation and, oh, what's going to happen? And then I sold it and I was like, oh, hey, I got some money. Like, this is great. <laughs> and uh, it it doesn't owe me anything and I don't owe it anything. It's, it's OK to move on, you know? I know. And I think the, you know, the sentimental part of me and us, like that's that's the hard part about this. You know, you think it's just cleaning, but it's you're going through these items that meant something to you at one point, And if you let it go, are you letting go, you know, what it meant to you or what happened with it? And, um, I think that's great realization for you to have. And now you're inspiring me to sell my old clarinet that I've been on the fence about <laughs> <laughs> as my backup that I've never needed to use as a backup. Um, but just, you know, noticing the resistance that pops up and just giving it some thought and, and sitting with it. Um, and like, I think resistance is one of those things that we can learn from, you know, I'm not the only person that's somebody else's thought, but this is what I've experienced in my life. Like, and I think it could even tie over into your clarinet playing just, you know, and, and you're practicing, what are, what are you resisting and can you move towards it a little bit to soften it or to make it less scary or just not run away from it? Yeah. I, I need to get rid of my old clarinet. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> well, time. check out that episode. I think it, I think I called it out with the old in with the new. And uh, I basically just talked, I don't even think I had a guest. I think I just babbled by myself for, <laughs> for 15 or 20 minutes about this and uh, kind of some ways 
you know, you should do this or should not. I, th- I think it's important though. I think it's important to look at kind of the things that are around and, and sometimes too, in music, you try something like, you know, I had a problem where I was trying different, uh, you know, barrels and mouthpieces and things for a while. And unlike you, I, I kind of scaled down my teaching and I didn't see a value of keeping all that stuff. So I got rid of most of it. Like I don't need to have 30 ligatures around. I know the one I like, and I'm probably never going to use some of those ever again, <laughs> you know? So they might as well not be here anymore. And, and when you get rid of something, you kind of open the ability to put something new in its place, right? Exactly. And then seeing it brought back to life by somebody else, you know, with, with some of my clothes I went through, I have some little cousins that I gave it to and I wasn't there, but my mom was with them. They were all like having a little fashion show, trying on my clothes and they all look so cute. And it made me really happy to see this stuff that I was so tired of for years. I was like, I should get rid of it. No, I'm going to keep it. All right, I'll get rid of it. And then I saw it and I was like, what are those clothes? They look so good. <laughs> you know, so just bringing life back to those things that were once purposeful and now, you know, their life isn't over. They get to go play a role in somebody else's life. I hate throwing stuff away. I think that's a hard part too. Just like not wanting to put stuff in the trash, just wanting to make sure I, I figure out how to get it to be repurposed or give it to somebody or recycle it, you know. That's important too. And, you know, we should touch on this briefly because I, I, we keep saying throw things away or get rid of, but I don't mean like take all your stuff and head down to the landfill or like you know, give it to a baby sea <laughs> right. turtle or something. Like yeah. you, you don't want to litter. Plastic or you don't straws. Wanna, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just go, go pour it right in the ocean. Get rid of it right now. No, I, I think that like obviously there's recycle, <laughs> you know, you can throw things away if it's like last resort. Um, but yeah, repurposing, donating to charities. I mean, for example, in, in our city, we've got um, a lot of, you know, organizations through churches and stuff that would love to receive things like used mittens and toques and well, hats, I guess, for Americans. Women's shelters, things like that, value these sort of used kids' clothes and stuff. And uh, there's always a purpose for, for stuff that's still usable, but maybe it's past its purpose for you, right? Um, so that's sort of, what was it, the three R's, like, reduce, reuse, recycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And this whole Conmarie thing helps with the, the reducing too, because I find myself, I, I'd be interested in your thoughts too, but you're at the store looking at buying something and it's no longer a question of like, do I need this impulsive purchase? It's like, oh man, am I going to have to Conmarie this in a month? <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. You know, with like every purchase, we know that just for humans, purchases are mostly emotional. Like we make impulse decisions and I deserve this or treat yourself and, you know, I had a bad day, let me get this thing. And so it just changes that whole mindset to, you're right, just am I going to have to Kanmari this soon? Or, um, you know, with clothes, I, if I try it on, if it's like that pyramid thing where if it doesn't touch all the corners, like say no. If it if it looks great but it's scratchy, don't buy it because, you know, you're probably going to resist it every time you go to put it on. You know, I bought a couple of things like that where you feel like you look great in it or something, but then it's not comfortable or vice versa. And it just sits in your closet. And so, you know, that tool and then KonMari has really helped me just, yeah, to have a filter to put impulse purchases through or just all purchases through, you know, do I want to move with this in a year when we move or would I display this on my desk? Like, is it going to end up in a drawer because it's going to be clutter soon? Well, and it's so hard because we're such a throwaway society now. Like I often think about, um, you know, someone, for example, in the early 1900s or mid 1900s, like 1940s, I guess, World War II kind of era, they would have pants that were custom tailored to them that might even have been their grandfathers. Like, like the, these things were passed along. Normal everyday objects became like lifetime objects. Like you would 
cook with the same pot and pan probably for your whole life and it's the one your your father and grandmother used like we don't have that anymore you're not wearing the wristwatch that you know your father got passed down six generations you're barely wearing the one you owned last year or yesterday i mean it's crazy and uh it's i think that's so hard to sort through the stuff that really has meaning and value um but if you can take that to your music and your playing and and everything else it really kind of changes the way you look at things i found it kind of really interesting. Yeah. Cause it's like buying for the bargain or buying for the longevity and the value of it. You know, maybe it's a, a little bit of a mindset shift too, to like realizing that you need to invest in certain things and it's worth it to pay a little more, or use a little more time to make something happen or to buy something, but it's going to last you longer. Um, and so you won't have to be going through this recycle of, of cheaper things and, and using things up and getting rid of them. God, that's such a good point. And, you know, I do that all the time. I remember when I was uh, uh, in university, I think it was about 2004, it was in first year and I got a pair of headphones. I way overspent. Like I don't, I think I must've gotten some scholarship and I decided to spend some of it on these headphones. And uh, they were about $450 at the time. And everyone was like, oh, why did you buy these ridiculous headphones? And but you know what? They definitely sparked joy. I'm not saying it was a, a great investment, <laughs> but- Hey, look where you ended up. You got a drawer full of them. You knew what you liked. <laughs> <laughs> but back then though, that pair of headphones lasted me, I think it was 12 years. And that particular pair- and I used it like day in, day out. This is before I had 15 pairs of headphones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I used it day in, day out for 12 years. And I couldn't believe the value that I'd gotten from that. Because all my other friends were replacing their, you know, 20 or $30 pair of headphones every four to six months, it seemed, you know. And if you look at what they spent over time, it was actually way more to get less quality and enjoyment. I remember being so surprised by that when I realized that too. I had a friend who used to buy nice yoga clothes and I was always like, oh, I don't need that. Like I could get some stretchy pants from whatever store over here. But when she broke it down, she was like, you know, I wear these this many days a week. They last for this many years. Like I end up paying like one cent a day for them, you know, like that's absolutely worth it. It changes. I'm comfortable all day. Like, you know, I feel good in them. It's like, wow. Yeah. When you look at it like that, it's, it makes so much sense. But I was definitely more so on the, you know, I don't need fancy things and I'm not like that, but it's not that. That's not really what it is. It's, it's about finding what you actually want to purchase, buying something of value and then, you know, respecting it, using it, upkeeping, you know, making it stay nice. Well, it reminds me too of the golden goose story. This guy, his goose lays an egg every day and it's gold. So he's like, well, wow, this is amazing. And he, he starts to sell the gold or use the gold or whatever. And after a number of days, he starts getting impatient. Like he wants more gold, right? So he kills the goose to try and get all the eggs out. And then he, you know, realizes that that's not how it works. And <laughs> now there's no more gold, right? So that's, I can't remember what that's, it's like an old fable or something, but golden goose. Um, but that's kind of like anything, you know, if, if you take care of it, it will give back to you. And uh, you, you have to actually make that effort, you know? care for your golden goose, care for your clarinet. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And as corny as it is, I think it, like doing things like that on a micro level, like small little things, it, it just ripples out to how you, you know, treat yourself, how you treat other people, how you think about maybe the to-go coffees you're getting and the, all the straws we're using and just like trying to do whatever we can in, in little ways to, to make the world better, to like reduce waste and to put kindness out there instead of instead of other things. Um, and so it's very corny to think like that. I do feel like it's true. Like it's, you know, you're starting at the, the ground level, something that you do every day, something basic, 
having a, I don't want to say caring relationship because you're not really in relationship with your clothes or possessions, but just choosing things that mean something to you and taking the time to take care of them. And, you know, if we keep going out and applying that to relationships and interactions and what we do out in the world, like that's great. I want to thank you for talking about this with me today. And I know for those listening, this is kind of a different episode. I mean, this is, uh, it's almost like the book club episodes I was doing a while ago, but, but not really. So I definitely encourage everyone to check out this book. It is called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. And uh, if you want to as well, you can you know, sort of, you know get a sort of more bite-sized version. There's actually a really interesting interview with her on iTunes. I'll link to it in the show notes. I can't remember exactly who it's with. It's actually um, in her own voice, which is very kind of relaxing, but it's in Japanese. Um, so then the interviewer actually is translating um, along with it. You can kind of hear it's sort of interesting, but also check out the Netflix series, which is interesting, but I didn't find it quite as valuable as the book, honestly, but, but maybe that's just me. Three ways to kind of get into that. And I would definitely recommend it. And you know, if you do try it, send me your feedback on how it went. You can send me a message at feedback at clarineat.com or make a post within the Clarineat community on Facebook or um, on any of the other social media channels like Instagram, um, Facebook. Um, I guess that's kind of it now. I don't really use Twitter anymore. So thank you, Jen, so much for coming on the show today and talking about this with me. It, it speaks true to your networking that you were talking about before. Like we connected because of your your dissertation and now we're on talking about something that we both are interested in and, and, you know, keeping the relationship going, you know, so where can we check out your, your dissertation online eventually, and also your music store, which you own with your husband? Yes. So my lecture recital, which presents the materials of my dissertation is on YouTube right now. You could just Google Jen Guzman clarinet. You'll probably find my channel, but, um, Jen Guzman making it as a musician is what I called it on YouTube. And then, um, I have a website, jenguzman.com. And we also have a website for our music store, tbwins.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook if you want to follow us there and stay up to date and buy any of those pretty swabs that Sean posted about a couple of weeks ago uh, that have been blowing up since that post. Thank you. Um, we have custom swabs made for clarinet. So check us out and stay in touch. Thank you so much, Jen, for coming on the show. And for those of you listening on Patreon, you'll be able to hear the extended lightning round. If you would like to get access to that portion of today's conversation, head to clarinet.com slash subscribe. Thank you so much for listening to the Clarinet Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, I'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you happen to listen to your podcast. You can also check out the website at clarinet.com for over 100 hours of free audio content with the world's greatest clarinet players, manufacturers, and more. If you loved what you heard, I'd love it if you'd support the podcast for as little as $1 per month. As a thank you, you'll get access to extended versions of many episodes, bonus content, and more. Hosting for Clarinet is sponsored by Bakun and their new Vocalese mouthpiece, Complex Resonance at a Reasonable Price. Get yours at www.bakunmusical.com and save 10% on any accessory purchase with code CLARINET at checkout. Don't forget to check out D'Addario's line of Reserve, Reserve Classic, and new Reserve Evolution reads. You can head to your local music store or to clarinet.com reads to buy a box right now. That's all for now. Be sure to tune in next time for more of what's new and neat with clarinet with the neatest people in the industry on the Clarinet Podcast.